today, uh, but we, uh, we wanted to make sure to recognize them. Those are always on Monday nights. We do that on Monday nights, and uh, we have, usually we offer three different classes on Monday nights, and the classes are about 45 minutes, uh, and uh, you can take one class, you can take all three classes. Uh, you don't have to take all three. If you just want to take one at a time, that's fine as well, uh, but we really encourage folks, if you're wanting to continue uh, learning more about the Bible... Uh, you can go through those. And the thing that's really great um, is even though uh, they do receive certificates and things like that for completing it, uh, the wonderful thing uh, about these is um, there aren't any tests. Isn't that great? There's no test, right? And uh, basically, they're just trying to make sure that you, to give you that information. And of course, we, we do a lot of discussion and things in the classes as well. Uh, but don't feel like, oh man, I, I don't want to go back to school and take tests and, and quizzes and exams and all that kind of stuff. That's all right. Because uh, that's, that's not really, we're not concerned about testing and all of that. Uh, we're just there to try to help you to learn more about the Word of God. And uh, now I, I will, will say this, you do have to be there for so many classes, right? Uh, if, you, if you're not there for the classes, you don't get to, the, um, you don't get to say that you completed it. But um, I would encourage you to do that if you're interested, and we'll start that back up uh, in the fall of this year. And then, of course, right after the service, we'll have a, have a reception uh, over in the Fellowship Hall for all of these tonight. Take your Bibles this evening, open to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and um, just want to bring a short <laughs> message tonight. <laughs> um, now, I knew, brother, I knew Brother Jeff was going to be um, presenting that uh, life-wise, and that we were going to be doing the recognizing these that have graduated and things. Um, and I, again, I would, I would encourage you, really pray about what God could have you to do there with that LifeWise Academy. Um, you say, well, I don't know how to teach. Um, you don't have to know how to teach. Uh, a lot of times uh, they have those that are already teaching, uh, and they just need people to come in and sit with kids. Uh, they'll divide up the kids into groups, and you can take a little group over here, and you can ask them prayer requests. Uh, you can pray with these young people um, while you're there with them. Uh, and so it really is a, a great opportunity. Um, and you say, well, what if, what if the kid doesn't get saved? That's all right. If he doesn't get saved, that's okay. At least uh, there's a seed being planted. At least there's somebody there uh, that they know cares about them, and they're praying for them. Uh, and so it's a really, really great opportunity. So I would encourage you to pray about that. Again, they'll, they'll be starting that back up this fall. Um, and so uh, pray about maybe what the Lord would have you to do, because I know they could use a whole lot more volunteers. Uh, again, if you think 160-some kids registered, and they have about... What did you say, 12 to 15 volunteers? Um, that ratio is not very good right there, all right? <laughs> Especially when you're dealing with kindergartners through fifth grade. So uh, they, they could use a whole lot more volunteers in that area. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll begin reading um, really kind of in verse uh, number 13. He says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. 
Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Obviously, on a night like this, I'd normally bring kind of a charge to the graduates, and uh, although we don't have any seniors graduating from our, cl- uh, from our church tonight, uh, we do have a couple that have graduated, and we have those that have uh, completed the, the, Bible, uh, the school of the Bible. And so, uh, just as a short charge tonight, I want to give you a couple things that Paul says here uh, in these verses. Uh, and these are not just things for them, these are things for all of us, right? These are things that every one of us need to remember, uh, every one of us need to apply to our life. Notice he says in verse uh, number 16, he says that he would grant you, again, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, right? He's writing to believers, okay? Uh, He's writing to those who have put their faith in Christ. And he says that he would grant you, the church, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. If I could challenge you one thing tonight, church, as Paul is Uh, giving this challenge to the church of Ephesus is let Jesus rule your life. Let Jesus rule your life. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're a a high schooler here getting ready to graduate in a year or two or if you're in college or you're a young adult out of college or if you're an adult that's already kind of, you've kind of got your career path going forward or if you're one of the uh, wisers here tonight. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are tonight. This principle applies to every single one of us. Let Jesus rule your life. It doesn't matter what career you choose or where God has you or what God ends up doing with you. Make sure that he is ruling your life. Notice what he says here, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is absolutely indispensable to Christian living. If it was not for the Holy Spirit of God working in our life, we would not be able to do what God wants us to do. We must have the Holy Spirit working through us. And so he's saying, I'm praying that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit. Now again, understand, when a person gets saved, when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean you are being strengthened with the Holy Spirit. Now, His strength is there, and His strength is sufficient, and He has all power, but that doesn't mean that every Christian is being strengthened by His Spirit. Because for many Christians, instead of allowing Christ to rule our life, we try to rule our life. And as long as we are ruling our life, the Holy Spirit of God is not able to strengthen us. And this is what he's saying. I'm praying. Again, he's writing to the church who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. But he says, I'm praying that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. If you think about what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse number 7, he said, It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Again, it is that it is the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. That ministry of the Holy Spirit is the continuing ministry of Jesus Christ here on earth. 
As, as Jesus has ascended to heaven, he said, I must go because if I don't go, the comforter can't come. And so Jesus ascends and he tells the disciples, tarry in, in Galilee, wait there in Jerusalem until the comforter come. And when he's come, then you're going to be endued with power and to be able to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And so he says, look, the Holy Spirit is going to indwell you. He's going to give you the power that you need to follow Christ and do what Christ wants you to do. When you go back and you study the life of Christ, you'll find out that Jesus did not begin ministering until he received the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if it's, if it's important for Jesus Christ to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit for his ministry, how much more is it for you and I? We need not just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but we need the strength of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what he would have us to do. And so we each have a choice to make. Each one of us as Christians have a choice to make. Will we live in our strength or will we live in his? Will we live in our strength or will we live in his? Because again, in Galatians, he tells us that we are not to live in the flesh. We're not to walk after the flesh. We are to walk after the spirit. Why? So that we don't yield to the flesh. So we're not... We're not living by our flesh. We're living by the Spirit of God. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying that God would strengthen you with His Spirit. Yes, it's wonderful to be saved. It's wonderful to know that we're going to heaven. But we need to make sure that we're allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to rule in our life. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to strengthen us. And it's interesting, Paul adds this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now it's interesting, he's writing this to believers, But yet he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, he's not telling them they need to get saved again. They're they're already saved. They know Christ as their Savior. But he says you need to be strengthened with the Spirit of God that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Of course, we know Christ only comes into the life of a person through faith. The only way a person can be saved is by grace through faith. There's nothing else. No, No church, no work can save a person. But the Bible teaches that faith is not just a, it's not just a head knowledge. It's not just saying, I believe something. It is, a, it is a heart acceptance. It is truly believing something in our heart that is evidenced in how we live. It's evidenced in our action. And so think about this. He says, he says I'm praying that God would strengthen you with might by his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So he says, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened. And yet he says, I'm praying that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, if I'm saved, what does this dwelling in my heart by faith mean? Why is Christ, what is he meaning here when he says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith? Well, the word dwell here means to live permanently. It's not a temporary residence. It's not temporary. It's full-time. It's a permanent residence. Now, we know that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we know the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. We know, as we're going to be looking in in John chapter 15, he says that we are to abide in him, and he abides in us. That's that same term, to dwell in us. So we know Christ lives in us. So why would he say that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith? Well, 
imagine a home with many rooms, right? If you live in a house or if you even live in an apartment, it's not just one room. You have many different rooms. I remember the first apartment that my wife and I lived in after we got married. Uh, We had a a little, a very little living room, and there was a little place to put a little table that we could sit on. The kitchen was pretty small, uh, and we uh, we had a bedroom, and there was a bathroom, and that was it. There was it was pretty tiny, right? And uh, I I remember the house that we uh, moved into in Uganda, the first house that we moved into there. It was a little bit bigger than our apartment, praise the Lord, right? Uh, I mean, it had a good-sized living room. It had a good-sized kitchen. There were bedrooms. I, I had an office. Um, I remember the second house that we moved into. Uh, remember how that was laid out. I know my house here. Uh, houses and apartments, they all have more than one room, right? Some of you don't have more than one room in your house? They all have more than one room. So if you would just imagine a house with many rooms, <clears throat> how would you react... And I know this is being a little facetious here, but bear with me. How would you act tonight if you were here at church and right after the service was over, your phone rang and you answered your phone and the person on the other line said, so-and-so, this is Jesus. I'm coming to your house tonight. I'm going to be there in two hours. How would you respond? I mean, if this really was Jesus, now again, I I know it's Jesus isn't going to pick up a phone and call you, but if that was Jesus and he truly said, hey, I'm coming to your house, I wonder how we would respond. How would we react? What rooms would we be very, very concerned about? I know how (laughs) <laughs> I know how ladies are, man, when they know companies coming over, um, things, things got to be taken care of, you know, I've, I've never quite understood this. Houses are made to be lived in, right? But when we have people come over, we want it to look like nobody's living in it. It's got to be spick and span. There can't be a speck of dust. Everything has to be put away. Everything has to be uh, right where it's supposed to be. Like nobody's actually living here. It's just a show house. Anybody else? You you know what I'm talking about here, right? Yeah. But houses are supposed to be lived in, right? I mean, hey, you go in the living room, you got kids, guess what's going to be on the floor? There's going to be some toys. The dreaded Legos. They're going to be there, right? I mean, it's a house. You're going to go into the kitchen, and if, you know, if you're going to make breakfast, or you're going to make supper, or you're going to make lunch or something, there's probably going to be some dishes in the sink or something like that. And so if you knew that somebody was coming over, no doubt, man, ladies would be like, oh, we got to get everything cleaned up, put up all the toys, put up all the Legos, get the house cleaned up, throw everything in the dishwasher and close it so nobody knows that we actually use a dish. Right? I mean, get it all cleaned up. So it looks good. But let's take that into our life. What if we got a call that Jesus was coming. How would we respond? Would we be worried about some of the rooms? Would we be worried about some that are not only need to be cleaned, but maybe need to be remodeled? (laughs) What about in maybe you have a a study or maybe you have a, 
a library. Maybe you have a, an office. Would there be some things in there that we wouldn't want the Lord to find? What about the living room? Would there be some, would there be some music? Would there be some videos that we wouldn't want the Lord to find? What about in our bedrooms? What about in our closets? Would we be afraid of what the Lord might find? Well, what about our own lives? What about our mind? What about the things we take in, the books, the magazines, the music, the movies, and things like that? Would we want to take those things in if we knew that Jesus was coming over? Are there activities that we would engage in that we would be ashamed if we knew that Jesus found us engaging in those activities? Would we be afraid of what Jesus would find in the closets of our heart and our mind? You see, this is what he's saying. He says, I want Christ to rule in your life, not just that you're saved, But he says, I want him to rule in every aspect of your life, in every area. And that's what we talk about. Many times I've given the illustration of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit the moment you accept Christ as your Savior. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit getting more of you. You yielding yourself and saying, all right, hey, here's, here's the bedroom. Here's, this door is open. You have full access to it. Here's the closet. You have full access to it. Here's my bank account. You have full access to it. Here's my family. You have full access to it. Here's my job. Here, here's everything. Lord, you have full access to it. I want you to rule and control in every area of my life. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I wonder, would we really want Christ to dwell in every aspect of our life by faith or would we be like well let's just stay out of that one over there let's stay out of that area let's stay out of those that's there those are my plans it's my plans then are we really allowing him to dwell in our hearts by faith that's what he's saying he says I'm praying that God would strengthen you would strengthen you with might by his spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith Whatever we do, we have to make sure that we are allowing Jesus Christ to rule. Doesn't matter what career you choose, doesn't matter what you're doing in life, Jesus Christ needs to rule. And we find that when he does rule, we find that we don't have to be in charge. We can trust him because he knows what is best. Notice, secondly, not only does he speak to us of letting Christ rule, but sharing Christ and knowing Christ. Look what he says at the end of verse 17. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Think about this. He says he wants us to know Christ in such a personal way. Now, can I tell you something? If Christ is not ruling in your life, if you're not allowing him to strengthen you and you're not allowing him to have access to every area of your life, it's going to be hard to know Christ. 
it's going to be hard to get to know Christ because he's going to keep asking for access to those areas that we're blocking off. He says, but I want you to know him. I want you to know him in such a personal way and to know the love of Christ. He uses some really interesting phrases uh, in this passage that we're going to look at. Think about it. To be rooted. And again, a couple years ago, we, our theme was rooted in Christ, right? Taken from the book of Colossians. But again, he says here that you may be rooted, being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted, the idea of a, of a root system. Uh, we talked a little bit about that this morning with the, with the vine. The, the word established is, is kind of a building term. It's talking about the foundation of a building being uh, set and unmovable. And he says we are to be rooted and grounded. We are to be rooted and established in the love of Christ. In the love of Christ. I, I hope, I pray that everyone here tonight has experienced the love of Christ and salvation. By the way, that's one of the things that LifeWise Academy is trying to do with these young people that have never even heard about Jesus. They've never heard about God. They've never heard about the Bible. They're trying to tell them about the love of Jesus. The love of someone that was willing to come and die for them just as he died for you and me. And they've never had an opportunity to hear about that. You say, Pastor, is, it re- is that really true? Do you really think that there are people in our community here? I mean, this is America, right? This is America. This is Preble County. Are there really people here in Preble County that have never heard the gospel? Yes. There's no doubt about that. Why do you think we go out witnessing? Why do you think we go out door knocking with our outreaches? Because we know there are people that have never heard. I don't know how many kids are in the, uh, the elementary school. Does anybody know, actually, how many kids are in the, the elementary? Do you know, Jeff? 800 is a so 800 kids in the elementary school. And you're going you're gonna to honestly tell me that you believe all 800 of those kids go to church? I would say, and I, I don't know any numbers. I could be way off. But I would say it would be really, really good if half of those kids went to church. 400? I'd say that'd be really good. I'm probably going to say it's not even that high. Who's going to tell them about the love of Christ? You say, well, isn't that why you have a bus ministry? Sure, we have a bus ministry to go out and pick up kids, and we go out and outreach. But are we really going to find all 800 of those kids? Probably not. But what an opportunity when they all come in one place. And we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. So you remember what it was like when you accepted Christ as your Savior. You remember what it was like when you heard about the love of Christ. And you accepted Christ as their, your Savior. And yet there are so many more. But this is, he, again, he's writing to Christians. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. The, n- knowing the love of Christ is not just what happens at salvation. Knowing the love of Christ is something that we can experience on a daily basis. On a daily basis, right? How many of you are married? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you are married? Don't be ashamed of it. Just put your hand up. Come on. All right. Help them put their hand up if they're married. All right. Husband, wife, help them put their hand up. All right. If you're married in here, right? There was a day that you stood maybe in a building like this. I remember I was, I was about right here. 
Literally, I, like right here, because I got married in this building. I can remember standing here, was that really 22 years ago? Wow. I can remember standing here and telling my wife that I loved her, and I remember giving our vows and and all those things, and I remember, man, I loved her, and she loved me. And that day we said, I do, and I remember, man, that was a great day. Now, she was mine, and I was hers. And for 22 years... I have never heard her say, I love you again. For 22 years, she has never heard me say, I love you again. How do you believe that? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, you say, well, you knew that you loved her when you got married. She knew that you loved you when you got married. Yeah. And we know that when we accepted Christ, that he loves us. But is that all Is that the only time that we were able to experience the love of Christ? No, on a daily basis. Just as your husband or your wife would say, hey, I want you to know that I love you, and and here's how I love you. It's not just with words, or here's some flowers, or here's whatever. I want you to know that I love you on a daily basis. Christ says, I want you to know the love of Christ. I want you to know that I love you and I care about you. By the way, that's why he knows what is best. And he wants us to trust him and to follow him because he loves us. And to know the love of Christ, to know that on a personal relationship, to know that it's not just the day that I got saved that I experienced the love of Christ, but every day I can know the love of Christ. Every day I can see his love in my life. Every day I can see... Now look, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that just because I can experience the love of Christ every day that everything goes smoothly. No. There can be some bumps in the road. There can be some problems that I go through. But the majority of the time when I'm going through a bump in the road, it's not his making, it's my making. It's because I haven't trusted him. I haven't let him rule in my life. Now, there are some times that he allows me to go through some trials and testings, and and he's right there with me, but he says, I want you to know the love of Christ. And I want you to be able to share that love of Christ wherever God takes you. I mean, I, I hate to keep bringing up Brother Jeff tonight, but it was just, Lord just allowed him to do this. Here, here's a man that's retired. He could be doing anything. He, he could, I don't know if you golf, he could be going golfing. I mean, he could be doing, you know, he could, I know they like to camp. They could be going camp. I mean, they, 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 he could be doing all kinds of things. And yet here he's giving his time to go into a public school with kindergarten through fifth graders and tell them about the love of Jesus. Can I tell you something? That's what he wants us to do. Not only to know the love of Christ, but to experience it in such a way that we can't help but share it wherever we go. Whether you go off to a Bible college or whether you start a career, whether you have a job or whether you're retired or whatever it is, that's what he wants us to do. Not only to know the love of Christ, but to share the love of Christ with others so that they can know his love. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're still in junior high or in high school or in college. Every place we go, we can share the love of Christ with others so that they can know him as well.
Look really quickly at the last point here. Notice in the last part of verse number 19. He says that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Again, he continues using some very interesting phrases here. Think about this. Filled with all the fullness of God. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. How in the world can you and I, who are lost, sinners, saved simply by the grace of God, how can we be filled with all the fullness of God? It's because he's living in us. The Holy Spirit of God is living in us. Jesus Christ is living in us. And he says, we have the fullness of God living in us. Will we allow God to live through us? Just like we were talking about this morning. He is the vine. We're the branch. It's not our responsibility to bear fruit. That's the vine's responsibility. We're just supposed to be the branch that allows the life to pass through us so that the fruit can be produced. The fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Unto him that is able to do exceeding. Do you realize that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Look, I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to... You know, there are times that I doubt God. Not that I doubt that he is real. Not that I doubt his love to me. Not that I doubt his goodness. But sometimes... You know, you look and we look at the Bible and think, man, God did some really amazing things. And sometimes we get this idea that was just in the past. We get this idea that God doing great things was just only in the Bible times. But yet I know because I've seen God do great things in my life, not because of me, but because of him. I've seen God do miraculous things. And yet there are times that I still, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if God can do this. And we doubt, but he says, look, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able. Again, it's not about us, it's about him. He has the power. He is able to do that, right? And notice, according to the power that worketh in us. The power is there because he is there. The question is, is are we going to allow him to, to be lived through us are we going to allow that power to be seen through us he's living inside the holy spirit's living inside let me tell you something again the holy spirit has has all the strength that you and i will ever need god has all the strength and all the power that you and i will ever need but will we allow it to be lived through us Will we allow him to work through us? And that's the thing. We ought to desire to experience the very best that God has for you and me. Do we really want that? Do we want to experience the very best that God has? Are we willing to say, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but Lord, here's my life and you use it however you want. Whatever you want. What, What is... How will we measure our life? How do we really measure our life? Do we measure it by, well, let's just find out what everybody else is doing. Let's find out what everybody else is doing, and we'll, we'll do that. Well, here's the problem with that. Now you're living by somebody else's standards. 
What are they doing? Okay, if they're doing it, then I'll do it. No, that's not what God wants. Well, what about this standard of, well, if it's okay for me? Well, this is okay for me, right? I'm not measuring myself by what other people are doing. I'm just, it's okay for me. Well, that's called a self-centered life. Now it's all about you. When in reality, what God wants is, what does God want to do through me? What can God use me to accomplish? Will we be a person who lives by God-sized expectations and standards? God-sized. Did you, did you look at the verse again? It's, it's amazing. Now unto him, not unto you, unto him that is able to do exceeding, that means exceeding, way more, abundantly, way more, above, way more, just in case you haven't got the picture yet, exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. God says, I want to use you, and I want to do great things with you, things that you cannot even imagine. But will we let him? Will we let him do those things? Why? Because here's the thing. Verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Do you know what God simply wants? God simply wants you to yield to him so that he can receive the glory through what he does through your life. God wants you to yield to him so that he can receive the glory by what he can do through your life. Because it can't be done by us. It can't be by our own power. It can't be by our own abilities. It can only be by him. Unto him be glory. Unto him be glory. And that's why he says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God can do amazing things if we will trust him and let him. God is able to do exceeding abundantly these amazing things. It's not just things that were found in the Bible. No, no, no. God can still use people today. God can still use young people. God can still use middle-aged. God can still use some wisers if we'll just yield ourselves to him and say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. My life is yours, Lord, whatever you want. You take my life and you use it however you want. I love probably one of my most famous or one of the most famous quotes that I, I, I always go back to is what Hudson Taylor said. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. You say, well, isn't that, isn't that kind of prideful that you're, you know, you're saying, well, you know, I want God to do something great. No, no, no. See, you've got it wrong. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. I want God to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think in my life. Not so that I get the glory for it, but so that he does. So that he gets the glory. And that ought to be the desire of every Christian. By the way, when Hudson Taylor died, he said, don't, when you talk about Hudson Taylor, don't talk about Hudson Taylor. He said, you talk about Hudson Taylor's Savior. You talk about Hudson Taylor's God because he's the one that did everything. I didn't do anything. 
Are we, are we willing to let God take us and use us for what he would want us to do? What he would want us to be? Whatever and wherever that might be. I hope we are. Let's pray together tonight. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would truly work through our lives. Lord, that we would have that desire to be strengthened by your spirit in the inner man. We would yield to you, that we would open up our lives to you. Every room in our house, every closet, every drawer opened up, say, Lord, you're in control. Whatever you want, Lord. To know the love of Christ on a daily basis. And to be able to share that love with others who do not know. Lord, not just to desire the best that we want for our life. But Lord, to desire the best that you want for our life. Lord, that only comes through surrender. Through yielding to you and letting you rule in our lives. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would just help us tonight just to search our hearts. May we truly ask, Lord, who is in control? Are we allowing Christ to control? Or are we still trying to rule and control in our own lives? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we'll just stand quietly to our feet tonight tonight.